Hi, it's Len Testa, and this is our second episode for June 2015. In just a minute, you'll hear Jim and me talking through the creation of Jim's stories for the 2016 Unofficial Guide. If you've listened to our early episodes, you'll remember that this is how Jim and I first met many, many years ago. Today's episode is over 100 minutes of talking, land by land, and attraction by attraction, about what's going on in the Magic Kingdom in Epcot. If you enjoy this sort of thing, we have additional episodes available over at DisneyDish.BandCamp.com, including a new show about Universal Orlando's new Volcano Bay water theme park. And while you're there, consider donating to help support our show. We rely on those to help pay for travel and bring you live shows, and we've got some great ones coming up later this summer. We love doing the shows, and we hope you love them, too. Now, as Jim would say... Well, Jim would say that the game chose him. He didn't choose the game. But if he said something else, he'd say, thanks for listening. Welcome back to another edition of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. And today, you are in for a real treat. As I've said a couple of times before, the origin story of the Unofficial Guide Disney Dish is that I used to call Jim Hill uh, in the months before the Unofficial Guide was released to the public. And we would come up with little anecdotes, little stories that we would intersperse throughout the theme park chapters of the book. And so Jim would tell me, for example, about something that was going to happen later on at uh, Jungle Cruise or something that Disney was considering for Big Thunder Mountain. And we would put that in the little in the book as a, as a little story. It's a it's a way to spice up the content and tell people what might be coming or what Disney was thinking about when they designed a ride. And those it was actually uh, I've said this before. It's actually one of my favorite parts of of working on the book was talking to Jim. So so today we're actually going to record live the interaction that Jim and I have while we're doing these things for the book. It's actually the first time we've ever done this as a recording. Uh, so it should be interesting. We'll uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Anyway, to do that we have to welcome to the show Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Uh, fine. Uh, just warning people, prepare for disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is watching the sausage being made. <laughs> That's right. Just sort of like, oh, wow. Okay. That, that, you know, just look at it. It's, it looked more exciting than it was. <laughs> okay. I hope by I, the end of this, Jim, we've learned a lot about ourselves and each other. I, I'm just thinking that, that if there were insomniacs out there, get ready. Finally, the cure has arrived. This is it. This is it right here. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, so we'll, we'll, while we start with the magic, kingdom but uh but before that you wanted to say something about uh sort of this being an odd time yeah i mean it just it, it, this is a very weird time for walt disney world I, you know there, there's this you know face it we were in the middle of a you know a management change uh you know just in the past week uh we've had jay rizzullo who was formerly the heads of the parks who swapped positions with Tom Staggs in kind of a runoff for the number two position. Uh, Jay was the CFO for a lot of years and it just announced that he's leaving the company at the end of the month. Uh, and, you know, that, that's, there's going to be, you know, they're going to be searching for a new CFO and, and Jay's supposedly going to stay on as a consultant. But at the same time, this is also sort of, Acknowledging that Staggs is in the position to be number two, which means come 2018, he's running the Disney company. And Iger, you know, you know, it's weird. Iger right now is so focused on the successful launch of Shanghai that, um, it, when it comes to the Walt Disney World Resort, um, there's a lot of autopilot stuff going on right now. I mean, and, and I think that's that's kind of evident. I mean, they just finished uh, the Disney the Fantasyland expansion, you know, mm -hmm. last year, and we've talked about this. I mean, I mean, they've got Avatar Land, which will should launch 2017 ish. 
That's and by the way, that's eight months behind schedule at this point. <laughs> okay, so twenty eighteen. Right. But right. but really, other than that, you mm-hmm. know, we'll talk about we'll talk about what's what's up what's happening with the studios in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Wars thing when we get to the studios park, but yep. I mean, other than Disney Springs, there's there's nothing really major being built except for Avatar, which again is, is a land uh, and mm-hmm. one to three rides depending on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it for the next five seven years. Well, but at the same time, understand that that you've got, uh, and again, we'll get to this more in depth when we talk about the studio. You've got the the Pixar Place expansion. Uh, which seems to have actually rotated positions with Star Wars Land. And again, another issue we'll get into when we start talking about that part. But when it comes to the kingdom, um, we're kind of seeing the ripple effect that was caused by adding new Fantasyland. Uh, we've seen, you know, you, you've added 5,000 people per day to that park. You can, you know, because you've opened up this new land, yeah, and it's it's had some fascinating impact. I mean, four, you know, four percent four percent pump in attendance last year because of it. Yeah, that the, in fact the, the the theater numbers just came out what a day or so ago. Yeah, a couple days ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you're now watching the ops people deal with this. You know, the notion of okay, so we can now put five thousand more people in a day. And but, you know, watching what that means in terms of, wow, we need to come up with more quick service and sit down restaurants and we need to accommodate that many more people in the hub when it comes fireworks and parade time and guest flow. And and it it just, you know, I, I know Disney fans are always about what's the next ride and what's the new attraction and and that sort of thing. And. Um, the the what, next ride is a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I, though yeah. you know, interestingly enough, the next restaurant really is a ride because the, for example, the Jungle Cruise restaurant that's being built. Uh, oh, excuse me, the Jungle Cruise Cafe that that's being built right now for Adventureland. You you have the Adventureland veranda that that has stood empty for decades. I mean, below they, they, these many years, yes. Yeah. Um, and what they decided to do in a really interesting sort of way is. They've always had this really bad kitchen setup when it comes to uh, the Diamond Horseshoe and the Liberty Tree Tavern and, you know, that sort of thing. And, and what they decided to do while they, they were bringing the Jungle Cruise Cafe online is like, okay, let's solve this problem we've had for decades. We We need one good modern kitchen that can handle the prep for these three different restaurants. Plus, oddly enough, this is also going to be the new place where the turkey legs are are sort of finaled before they go out into the park. Um, so you, you've got this giant new restaurant complex that's being built just backstage that when it comes online uh, this fall, you know, you're going to have much speedier service. You're going to have a better variety of food, much fresher uh, and at the same time, we're, we're going to get this this fun new venue, the, the Jungle Cruise Cafe. But that's all on the back of the notion that we have, you know, with this many more people coming into the park daily, and you know, they're they, you know, you just have to be able to to feed those people, uh, you know, and and, and you know, in, in a weird sort of way, it's kind of. You know, we've seen these sort of chess moves as out ahead of New Fantasy. I mean, for example, uh, the the Tangled themed, you know, restrooms. I mean, I, I understand 
you know, that, that again, another issue that, that the fans really are like, you know, just sort of like, we didn't get a tangled ride, we got tangled toilets, you know, but it's like, face it, I mean, people, you that's, have... That's what they people, needed. That's what they, <laughs> they needed. They needed that I mean, more than the ride, yeah. Yeah, and, and more to the point also, when you had, you know, that, that for years they had that horrible situation over by Small World where, you know, anybody who had a stroller eventually wound up over there. And yeah. just getting through that side of the park was was nightmarish because you – and, in fact, if you double up the people who are parking strollers for Peter Pan and the pe- people who are parking strollers for Small World, this little narrow corridor um, – and. You know, so they just went and just look, bring the rotor rooter in. Okay, we're going to create a, a good, strong, clear path, you know, down to toward the mansion. Uh, we're going to create all sorts of stroller parking. We're going to add this new bathroom. And it's interesting that, that finally the situation settled down enough that they could, you know, that, as we just saw in the last three months or so, they doubled back and it's like, okay, we can finally take the space that the old bathrooms occupied and add additional queue capacity to, um, you know, uh, to to Peter Pan flight. Um, and that, that's a good queue. It is a good queue. Uh, you know, and and it, but but again, and then what's kind of interesting is for the longest time on, on the heels of the cost overruns for Magic Band's uh, Fast Pass Plus My Disney Experience, mm-hmm. they they actually shut down the Act uh, the Act One project. The scene ones from the uh, scene ones, yeah. Uh, you, you you know obviously you remember the what they did for Haunted Mansion and uh, you know the the gaming they put into Space Mountain that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Peter Pan is the first time in a couple of years they revisited this. Yeah, they they tested stuff out at uh, Rock and Roller Coaster, but that never moved forward. I mean, yep. there were there were there were other things too, and there are lots of other headliner attractions where the the waits are fairly long where they could do it. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean never got their scene one, did they? No, no. But and, the infrastructure the infrastructure was. I mean, when they reconfigured the queues for Festus Plus, the infrastructure was built in, right? I mean, it was ready to. I mean, not ready to go, but but the prep work had been done. Yeah, and it just the problem with that is that. When you have an attraction that, frankly, is as in as rough a shape as Pirates of the Caribbean, ah, uh, maybe it'll get it, yeah, with the refurbishment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just you have to prioritize. You have to, you know, and and more to the point, the the infrastructure is there. Um, you know, you you can turn key if, in fact, the money is in the budget. But um, I think you and I were talking earlier this year. It was it was fascinating to watch how uh, Pirates had a, uh, refurb planned and then it got pushed off, didn't it? Or? Yeah, it got pushed off because, uh, I think that they were trying to schedule it around the time that, uh, other headliner attractions were going to be, uh, refurbished too. And that was, I mean, that was, it was something like 8,000 guests an hour were going to be impacted by the combined, I think it was what, Space, Big Thunder, and Pirates yeah. that they were proposing. And, yeah. and Park Operations came back and, you know, said, you're smoking crack. There's no way you could, we could do that. No, that, that, that's it exactly. And, and in fact, that's, that's what's kind of interesting about, again, this period we're in right now. That's just, we're watching, you know, the, again, the fan, new fitness and the fan ripple effect continue. And, uh, and, and that coupled with the way they've gone about, uh, some of these construction projects. I mean, for example, the redoing of the hub, uh, Disney stared down the barrel of, okay, do we, how does this impact show and guest experience if we do the construction during the day? And it's like, God, it'll be noisy, it'll be terrible, 
you know, oh, we could get this done in six months, but it will be six months of con- people continually bitching. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, then we go the harder, slower route, which is that we do this, but we only do this after the park is cleared at night. And it's going to take you know, a year or 15 months or whatever, but that, yeah. that's it exactly. And so, and, and in some cases, you know, you've got when you do the extended hours and you're doing park clear at, at one o'clock in the morning and, you know, you're then reopening at seven or eight. Yeah. There's no construction happening in those five hours, right? Cause, you know, or, or barely anything. And, yeah. you know, and, you know, they've got about half of it done at this point. And then when you factor in, uh, the new themed, uh, breezeway that they've created behind Main Street and Tomorrowland. I mean, mm-hmm. have you been back there yet to see yes. the new paint job and all that? It's or? not bad, actually. It's, it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, you know, I, I just wish we could be talking about new rides and, and new attractions. But right now, this is this is about getting the kingdom set to deal with the, the new larger crowds. And, and even some of the, you know, it's impacting choices outside the park. I mean, we talked previously about them shutting down the Richard Petty thing, mostly to get back those those 12,000 parking spots. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, just that that'll, in theory, come online in time for the holiday season, which, you know, this past year, um, you know, that they just what they did is that, that when the parking lot got full, they handed you a voucher and said, drive over to Epcot. Epcot. And <laughs> you can park for free, yeah. uh, but take the monorail over or take some some special designated buses we'll have set up. And it's interesting. And that's a lot of revenue that they lost. So yeah, I mean thousands of uh, thousands of cars a day uh, mm-hmm. went to Epcot, and that's you know tens of thousands of dollars in revenue over the course you know, over the course of a you know of a week. So all right, but, so let's uh, let's let's do this, Jim. Let's uh, let's start mm-hmm. going through the Magic Kingdom, and uh, as these things pop up, let's uh, mm-hmm. let's talk about the uh, the ideas. I'm I'm just going to go through the book page by page, and we'll I'll kick out. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. What I'll do is I'll kick out an attraction. You'll tell me whether there's anything interesting going on with it, and then mm-hmm. when I, we get to the point where we already have an existing anecdote. Um, we'll talk about whether it's uh, still valid and or whether we want to replace it. Mm-hmm. All right, so starting with Main Street USA in the Magic Kingdom, uh, I've got Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom as the first attraction. Yeah, um, it, it, you know, Sorcerers has, in a weird sort of way, uh, and again, d- discussing the new larger uh, take, you know, uh, the larger crowd situation in the park, and the weird sort of way Sorcerers has become the attraction that Disney didn't build. I mean, if you think about it, the number of people at any one time who are standing either playing Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom or waiting their turn, uh, if you, you know, we're talking, what is it, 30 different stations around the parks at this point? Yeah, you're probably talking about 100, 150, maybe, you know, maybe 200 people, depending on how crowded the park is. Yeah, and... and at any given minute, that's, a, that's a, you know, 1,000 people an hour. That's a mini attraction. That's it exactly. And in fact, that was one of the reasons why the Pirates of the Caribbean version got fast tracked for uh, for Adventureland. It was just the whole notion of, well, we got to get more of this, uh, you know, because, again, you you got that many more people, uh, you know, out of line, you know, that, that that's and <sighs> now it, it then becomes the question of. Do we proceed down this path? Do we look at, I, you know, for example, on the back of Tomorrowland the movie, there was some discussion of taking the whole mythology of this Brad Bird film 
and creating a game around that. I haven't, uh, I haven't seen the film. I'm going Saturday to see it, so don't tell. Okay, <laughs> all right. You know that that's we won't spoil it then. But but I, I will say this much: given that it it hasn't exactly set the box office on fire, I wonder if this is actually going to happen now. So they were going to uh, do one in Fen- in Tomorrowland. Yeah, but again, keying off of. Uh, the mythology that uh, would that is established in this Brad Bird movie, um, but again, you know, just the, you know, the sad thing is that you know when a film underperforms, that they there are some weird ripple effects. I mean, for example, uh, Tomorrowland came out uh, two weeks ago, Friday, uh, the the Monday after. Uh, you know, the the Memorial Day weekend, and Disney was eyeing the box office. They halted development. In fact, they were in pre-production on Tron Three. Uh, they were, you know, the, the team was already up in Vancouver, scouting sound stages. They were, you know, script was written. They were doing development art, and again, you know, it just it was was this sort of weird and you know in-house things like okay, maybe we're not good at science fiction adventure anymore. Which, oddly enough, was one of the reasons we were at one time. Well, I mean, there was, you know, that, you know, I mean, twenty thousand leagues under the sea. In fact, that that's what's kind of interesting is that uh, Disney's remake of Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea with with Brad Pitt. Uh, Who was Brad Pitt gonna was he he gonna was going to be? He was going. He was going to be the uh, Ned Land. He was going to play the Kirk Douglas role. Ah. You know, and um, it's, it was just kind of sad because that. Uh, and, and they had, uh, David Fincher was going to direct it. I mean, you had this, this, this A cast set up and, and Australia had, was offering Disney this outrageous tax credit of if they, they filmed it all there, they could get $20 million worth of tax credit, which would, would go a long way, yeah. you know, uh, an effects movie they like pick this. And, but in the end, uh, Fincher and Disney really, came to blows over um you know just they when it came to professor aranex the 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 french scientist character mm-hmm. the studio actually told fincher it's like look can you find somebody you know can you find a japanese actor because we really want this movie to be big in japan and it's like you've read the jules verne novel right you understand that professor aranex is french french like, yeah well, yeah, but but can you find a Japanese guy? And <laughs> he's a, he's a, he's an expat. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, and in the end, that that's it. Just never went forward on that casting decision. And and what Disney eventually did is they just turned and said, okay, well, we have this twenty million dollar tax credit, and went to the Australians and was like, all right, how would you feel if we filmed Pirates Five down there? And and Australia's like <laughs> six of one. Yeah, cl- and close enough. Yeah. Close enough. So Trying to have Brad know, Pitt, yes. Yeah, they're shooting that they're shooting that now. And you know, provided that the Depp doesn't end up in puppy jail. Um you know, that that's you know, we'll we'll see that movie in I wanna say two thousand seventeen, which I was kind of surprised by. That that uh, in in fact I guess that's the other issue right now is that um, you know, so much of Disney's schedule is blocked out years in advance now. Um, because of the and, Pixar and the Marvel and all the other uh, acquisitions. Yeah. And, you know, that coupled with, you know, Disney and, and now it's Disney so heavily invested in these live action remakes. I, I was just talking with a friend who had seen 
uh, footage from the new Pete's Dragon movie, mm-hmm. which uh, evidently, you know, this time around, Elliot's more of a Chinese dragon, but it supposedly really looked great. It's being done in New Zealand with the folks from Weta who did all that great work on the the Lord of the Rings Hobbit movies. Um, but yeah, it's just it circling back to the kingdom now that that this this also kind of gets where it gets interesting is that Disney's just done this brand new live action version of Cinderella that's done quite well. But now it's a, it's a question of do we bring that character into the parks? You know, this was the was this the one that was uh, who who was the Cinderella? Um, I that's it, I'm blanking the name of the actress, but she's a a, a member of the the Downton Abbey cast, uh, and you know, and, and again, it did so well that Sean Bailey, the head of Disney Studios, has has put this entire series of uh, live-action remakes in the works. I mean, for example, there's a Beauty and the Beast redo at this point that's chugging right along That it, with Emma Watson playing the bell role and Josh Gad playing uh, LaFou, and, you know, they're going to perform the, the actual songs from the movie. Uh, I was just talking with somebody who uh, has seen footage from the new Jungle Book where you've got Bill Murray doing the voice of Baloo. And huh. said that looked absolutely amazing. And in fact, Shere Khan for that film was genuinely terrifying. They found a really interesting way to do the tiger for this thing. But it, but you've got all of these things marching forward. I mean, for example, the Tim Burton version of Dumbo. And just yesterday, they announced that Disney is taking the Night on Bald Mountain scene out of uh, Fantasia and turning that into a full length film. Really, the uh, oh. the segment that's uh, on Bald Mountain. Yeah, um, Moose Gorski, right? The, uh, there you the go. Lord. There you go. But it, it's now a question of okay, so you have these hit films, um, but you're kind of in the same weird space that you are with um, Disney's classic Alice in Wonderland versus the Tim Burton Johnny Depp version of Alice in Wonderland. Which, by the way. Uh, they've already finished shooting the sequel. Uh, we'll start seeing the first teaser ads for that in the next month or two. Really? And that comes out next year. Um, Alice in Wonderland. Uh, Alice in, uh, Through the Looking Glass. Um, Alice 2. Yeah. And in fact, the, with the, inter- the interesting thing is uh, the villain this time around is time. Um, huh. In fact, uh, oh, I'm blanking the name. Uh, the, the actor who, who does all of the, um, those weird pseudo documentaries where he plays like dictators and fashion models. Oh, uh, Borat, the Borat guy. Borat, but he's, he's playing time. He's playing, you know, the, the, who's threatening, you know, the, the Wonderland. Sasha um, Baron Cohen. Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, but yeah, you, you've got, um, it, it's, it's really, kind of tough because these films genuinely have fans. People would love to meet these versions of the characters and that they know that from the guest relations comments. Um, and in fact, I guess there was some talk with the new fantasy land project about, do we take, I mean, th- there was actually a plan in place at one point where the, the corner, uh, as you're coming in, uh, fantasy land, uh, from, you know how you, you can walk into it from the bridge that's on the border of Tomorrowland where you've got the cosmic race, you're right. 
Um, they were actually talking about doing uh, a mini Alice land there where, you know, just sort of build out, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, the Mad Tea Party and, you know, create a meet and greet opportunity and, and then just sort of fold that into the new Fantasyland forest. But uh, it really got bogged down over the notion of, do we do the easy thing, which is make this based on the, you know, uh, 53 Alice film? Mm-hmm. Or do we do, you know, the, the, the somewhat adventurous thing and, and have it embrace, uh, the Tim Burton, Johnny Depp version? And in the end, it was just sort of like, look, let's save that for the studio, you know, uh, cause, cause there's always been talk of doing a pseudo, uh, in fact, we, we just saw last year, uh, the first real attempts at, uh, you know, a villain, uh, Halloween event at the park. At the studios. Yeah. And, you know, they, they, I know they had done an, an earlier, uh, a villain thing that wasn't quite as successful. And, and in fact, I, I, my understanding is they did definitely have issues with crowd control and, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they are, you know, they are still very much looking at, what to do uh, in regard to the studio and possibly doing yet another hard ticket for Halloween. Because face it, you know, that that's the thing of Mickey's not so scary. It it does sell out for, you know, about a third of its nights. And in fact, this year in particular, on the back of the announcement that was just made last week about, you know, they're going to do a hocus pocus, uh, you know, that, that they're retheming the big castle villain show. Around Disney's, uh, you know, Walt Disney Pictures, uh, you know, Hocus Pocus from, uh, from the early nineties. And they, you know, that got grabbed by news services around the world. And, you know, it, Disney was, was not only shocked by how big the news was that the Sanderson sisters are, are, you know, are, are joining the show, but they saw this huge surge in ticket. Purchases from people who did want to be in the park to catch that show. Really? Yeah. For the Halloween so, party. For the Halloween party, and specifically on the back of the Hocus Pocus announcement. All right. So let's use that as a um, let's use that as a an anecdote for the Haunted Mansion. Okay. Cool. All right. So. Um, All right. Cool. I'm taking yeah. notes. All right. Okay. So so we started at Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. They were going to do yep. one of those for the Tomorrowland. Uh, yeah. Tomorrowland film, but but they're not going to do it. So. Uh, right now, again, you know, that, that's, I mean, face it, the thing is, the movie just came out, uh, I was just looking at the box office this morning, they've made 69 million domestic, 70 million overseas, uh, you know, the, the jury's still out, I mean, mm-hmm. face it, we live in this weird world where it's like, is, you know, is your movie a success? I don't know, let me find out how it did in China, Yeah. you know. Uh, <laughs> the Vietnam numbers haven't come in yet. <laughs> no, and, and, and I know that sounds ridiculous, but it's true. Yeah. You know, I mean, just in, in fact, these days, so much of what, you know, you're doing film wise is, you know, it's now how is this going to play internationally? And oh, yeah, domestic. Um, I, mean, so, plus the, I mean, they'll get they'll, it's I've already uh, I've already seen the the uh, pre-order availability on iTunes. I mean, they're going to make yeah. money off of rentals and stuff like that, too. Oh, so. absolutely. But, it, but the question is, is, is it money? Yeah, it be money. It's money. You know? yeah. yeah. And, exactly. you know, coming on the heels of. You know what Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron just did. Yeah. Um, how much did the, How much did the Age of Ultron do? Let's go find out. So hang it was, on. It was. It was. Was it? I'm trying to figure out. Uh, trying to remember whether it was over 200 million. 
Um, let's see. As of right now, let's take a look. 200 million domestic, sorry. That was my... Okay, Age of Ultron, let's see. Uh, to date, uh, domestic gross, domestic, all by itself, is $428 million. Oh, okay, so yes. All right. So, you know, so that's, yeah, that's a hit. I, that's a hit, you know. Right. Uh, whereas overseas, uh, it's actually done better than double of those numbers, 494 million. So we're looking at $1.3 billion and it's only been in theaters since May 1st, you know, so we're. So barely a month, a month and yep. a month of change. Yeah. Um, and that's not counting the iTunes and the other. So it'll, I mean, it could end up being a billion and a half, a billion and yeah. quarters. Yeah. And, you know, the weird thing is just this past Monday, um, you know, it was still number one at the box office. So mm. um, interesting. So. All right. Uh, so, okay. So nothing, though, based on the Tomorrowland film, though, for Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. Had, have you heard anything about Disney changing the game, either trying to make it harder or changing out the characters or anything like that? Because they, they still haven't implemented the levels, right? The- yeah, I mean, part of the problem there is that, uh, again, in the, the classic Magic Kingdom pattern, you know, there, there's a belief that you can't really do anything, um, you know, that you can't necessarily change anything out for three and a half years because that's the, you know, that's when people come to the parks, you know, um, but, you know, so I know that, you know, there is talk about uh, eventually changing at the game. The problem is that they in, you know, face it, when you're dealing with Disney fans, you are dealing with collectors. And so many, you know, at this point, they, they have so many people who collected as many of the cards as they can who come in for events like Mickey's Not So Scary or Mickey's Very Merry because they'll actually put out a new card. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it just, it's, it's one of these things where if you start changing the game, if you start putting in levels and, and that sort of thing, you're going to get some pushback from the collector community. And right now, I mean, again, you go to the park on a busy day and, and it's again, five and six people already standing in line, ready to play this version of the game. You know, there, there, a lot of people are just still discovering it. Um, so there's, there's really no talk of, okay. You know, let's circle around and do something different, uh, or at least add to it. Not yet, um, but you know, not to say that three to five years down the line they won't. You know, having, you know, feeling that okay, we've we've got the first wave. You know, now we change things up. Okay, uh, uh, so. fair enough. So nothing on that. What about yeah. the uh, the town square meet and greets with uh, Mickey and Tank? Anything there? Um, you know, as of right now, um, that seems to be a fairly solid, uh, mix. Mind you, Disney has very quietly discontinued production of the Disney Fairies films. Uh, you know, oh, the, really? Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, the Never Beast one that came out this year. Um, you know, it just, it was one of these things where, uh, you have to understand when when Lassiter walked in the door, the Disney Fairies films were already an ongoing project, and and John didn't want to be seen as the guy who just you know willy nilly walked through shutting things down. He wasn't a big fan of the idea. I mean, Tink hadn't really talked up until this point, and uh, but there was there was a retail component, there was a book series, so he was a good corporate citizen and. Pushed them forward uh, as well as he could. So for for you know we got six films out of the series, 
uh, well, uh, five films and a, a, a TV special. And I, and actually one of the, the weirder reasons that the series is being shut down isn't necessarily that Disney Toon Studios is sort of ramping down. Uh, though that really is the case. They, 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 you know, they're not making the tank movies anymore and they're not making the, the, those cars, planes films. Yeah. Uh, but the other reason they're, um, they, they shut down the Disney Fairies films is that there is a Reese Witherspoon live action Tinkerbell movie. In oh, life. she would make a great Tinkerbell. Yes, she would. Uh, but it's, but again, it's the whole notion of you can't necessarily have competing, you know, tinks. So, yeah. uh, so that got shut down. And again, you know, the weird question then becomes, you know, three to four years down the line when the, this Reese Witherspoon Tinkerbell movie is out, you know, in theaters, it's like, okay, so do we see the Reese Witherspoon version of Tinkerbell come into the parks versus the Disney, you know, fairies version where, you know, Tinkerbell had her sister Periwinkle and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's another thing that's really worth mentioning here is that when these characters come into the park, Disney doesn't stint. I mean, for example, the Periwinkle character and Ren, this is this is Tinkerbell's sister. We're not talking about a you know a major a, character. A major character. Disney spent ten thousand dollars just on the wig for this character that wow. went into the park. It's actual fairy hair. Well, I I would guess I'll get that price. Uh, coupled with the fact that in order to design the outfit for the, the, the young woman who would come into the park to play this, this character, they actually did, uh, they sent her in for a full body scan and then proceeded to sculpt this dress, which would look, I, you know, just like the, the, the one that Periwinkle wore in, uh, you know, the, the, I think it's the Secret of the Wings, um, uh, Blu-ray DVD, uh, Disney premiere. Um, <laughs> but again, so, but it would fit this, this young woman's body exactly. They would look exactly like Periwinkle did in the films. Um, so again, that there's major money spent on these walk around characters. Uh, wow. just, you know, and, and, you know, again, we're not talking about talking Mickey here. We're just talking about, you know, some 16 year old who stands there and smiles, you know, while you take a picture. So, um, this is a a big time, you know, very costly initiative. Is there anything going on with the, um, with the Walt Disney world railroad in any of the parks or is that in that magic Kingdom, or is that pretty much, Um, you know, right now, uh, again, that, that's, that's really, you know, just, it's one of these things where it's like every so often they will walk the track, uh, they will, you know, the look to see should we be considering new show scenes, that sort of thing. Um, but having just spent all of this money again on the new Fantasylands uh, station that's themed around the it's a nice uh, station, yeah, yeah, it is. And again, in fact, I mean, just Lassiter's Lookout uh, was was a pretty pricey ad, you know. So for right now, the belief is, look, it looks good. You know, and you know, we're, we're we're meeting our capacity goals, and we're not getting any comments at guest relations about bad show. So it's like that's fine. Where else can we be looking in the park? All right, cool. Um, anything in Adventureland, Captain Jack, Pirate Tutorial? Is that going to stick around? Um, for now, yes. Uh, you know, there 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 is some talk of 
potentially changing up the show a little bit to key off of Pirates 5. But again, we're talking 2017 now. Right. Uh, you know, uh, you know, so we're, a, we're a while out, uh, from, you know, they, they've been eyeballing the script and sort of like, is there anything we could carry forward into this part? Um, uh, it's more <laughs> right now they're, they're kind of, to be honest, they're kind of eyeballing what can we add from the fifth film to the attraction, uh, itself. And you remember the last time around we got, um, uh, the you know, mer- uh, mermaids. Yeah, we got the mermaids, and we also got uh, what's his name, uh, Blackbeard, on the miss screen. Yeah. Um. So, it again, they 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 always like whenever possible to fold in a piece of the you know the, the film to the attraction just to give it that little extra attendance bump. Um. But but as of right now, again, you know, you you've got a film in production and. You know, WDI has looked at the script, but it, it just sort of like, you know, it's now a question of, okay, we could potentially do this, but that would cost money. And, you know, do and we're not going to do that. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. So, what about uh, Jungle Cruise? Anything going on at Jungle Cruise? Well, you know, that that's, uh, again, we, we, we talked earlier about the Jungle Cruise Cafe. And, uh, right. you know, and so the, the interesting thing is, is the notion of, you know, do we change the spiel to reflect the the fact that we now have a restaurant? Mm-hmm. Um, there's 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 been some talk, for example, about uh, you know, face it, just in the, the the past two years, we've seen the Jingle Cruise uh, come in, and mm-hmm. it was nice to see in year two that they came back and it you know, more spent, yeah, it was better, yeah, and you know that that will continue in year three. Uh, there, there's actually been some talk about pulling some some of the older props, some of the older animation out of the attraction and putting it, using it to help prop uh, the Jungle Cruise Cafe, and in turn using that as an excuse to add some updated animation to add some new show scenes uh, to the attraction. But but again, you know, it's, you know, job one right now is to get that thing open in time for a holiday. Uh, 2015, which is, you know, when the... Man, it's funny, seven years to build Avatar, but when it comes to something with, that actually makes the money, like a restaurant, it's, it's, it's like getting the torpedoes. Full well, <laughs> you know, and, and to, yeah, to give them it, credit, you know, that, that's the, the end of the thing with... And let's let's be clear here. I mean, you know, that with Avatar, you know, there's been an artificial breaking procedure and that kind of keys off of James Cameron. Yeah, yeah, it's true. You know, and you know, just sort of getting his attention, you know, you know, it's like James, I realize you're working on the three Avatar movies, but we have this thing that has a lot of steel and concrete. Could could we get five minutes? Yeah. So. Exactly. Hey, so. could you do a could you do a story though for about the old props being used in the Jungle Cruise Cafe or the old uh Yeah, sure. Sure, 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 sure. I mean it's just that that one um, it, you know, it just right now it's between figuring out the propping coupled with the fact of, um, you know, in fact that they've already sort of started realizing that at the Jungle Cruise Cafe they're going to expect your host and hostess. Oh, to do the spiel. There you go. Oh, I you know I hope they don't overdo it though because I you know. Is because uh, that, that could that could get annoying. Uh, well, no, that's it exactly. Like, like, look, you're being very funny. I want my food. Yeah, like I just <laughs> I just need I need some ketchup. Don't uh, you know? Yeah. yeah no. Um, 
is it going to be like I, I imagine that 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 they've taken the lessons that they've learned from Be Our Guest, which is wildly successful, and it's actually good food too. Um, but it's sort of a destination place. I, I imagine they're they're doing the same thing with with this, where they're saying we have to have the uh, order ahead capability part of uh, my Disney experience. You know, we're going to have you know we'll give you a life preserver or something, and you'll set that down by your table and, you know, instead of a rose, something. I mean, it's going to be like that, right? Well, you know. I think it's going to be simpler. To be honest, as of right now, it's simpler. You know, in fact, there were some discussions. In fact, um, when they were sort of pricing this out, one of the first questions was, where exactly is that Tim Allen uh, Tom Hanks Jungle Cruise project that everyone's been talking about for 10 years. You know, that, that this, this was a film that was actually announced prior to Toy Story 3. Really? Yeah. And, you know, and Tom and, um, and, and, and Tim are, are back in the, you know, back in Disney's good graces, you know, because of course they're working on Toy Story 4 right now. Yeah. For Pixar, um, and in fact, what's kind of interesting is that uh, Tim has a show on ABC right now called Last Man Standing that was was really uh, kind of on the bubble uh, this spring when it came to renewal. They were they they were I want to say three seasons in, and you know they're cruising up on the magic number they need for syndication, but the show really hasn't done all that great. And in the end, it was Iger himself who just sort of said, look, we need Tim Allen happy and on board to do promotion for Toy Story 4. So that show runs at least another year, yeah. you know. In the overall uh, scheme of things, they'll make, yeah, it'll cost them tens of millions of dollars to, to make the show. It'll, they'll make hundreds of millions of dollars off the movie, right? That's it, exactly. So, yeah. it, it, you know, again, circling back to the Jungle Cruise movie, it's like, okay, so we have these guys here. Should we, you know we've been knocking around the script forever and we are obviously doing all of these live action remakes now. Uh, should we kick the tires of that? And, you know, can we possibly incorporate some of that material into this restaurant? Hmm. Um, so, you know, that they, you know, that's, it's still going to be a very much a thing in progress. In fact, I, I would be fascinated uh, to, you know, cause this is going to start soft opening in November or thereabouts. It'd be fascinating to compare the spieling, you know, how people are seated. Cause remember, this is, they're actually using a number of buildings that are standing there. It's different, uh, of, you know, dining rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's, it's just learning guest flow and, and you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, I would it'd be fascinating to see from soft opening in early November to middle of the Christmas New Year's week as to, you know, how they've changed their operation, how quickly they're seating people, you know, and how much of the spiel just got tossed out the window. Uh, yeah, when but, times get tough, yeah. Because, again, the whole gimmick of this is this is the cafe that the Jungle Cruise guys cobbled together themselves. So half the charm of it is that it's going to be ridiculously rustic, you know, and, and you know, then, then, and, and just sort of the silly way they serve you because again, they're just sort of making it up as they go along. That's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm actually looking forward to seeing this one open. I'm a little disappointed. It's not like it'll be on the scale of a uh, beard guest, but we'll see what happens. Well, uh, and, and remember, you know, that there was a time then that this was going to be the Tortuga Tavern. This was yep. actually where the Pirates of the Caribbean restaurant was going to go. And, you know, in the end, they sort of, that idea got sort of collapsed down to that quick serve uh, that's directly across from Pirates. But, um, you know, who knows? You know, that, that you know, the next time they, they look at this, they, they might give it some serious thought. I mean, in fact, I remember there were supposedly conversations about, you know, let's just wall off Pecos Bill facing to Frontierland, and let's just take that facility and make it into our pirate's restaurant. Ah, um, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Of, the, a lot of the things are, um, they're, they're show buildings, but I mean, some of them are shops, right? Some of them yeah. are, they're all shops yeah. actually. Yeah. But, but you know, the downside of that was you then had to figure out what to do is, you know, the, the audience feeding into country bear. Yeah. Yeah. There's that, you know, just sort of like, Hey, just go down this convenient chute. That will <laughs> funnel you straight into Frontierland. You know, the, please ignore the restaurant that used to be here. So, all right. So uh, we'll do a story about the, uh, jungle cruise cafe for jungle cruise. What about, um, magic carpets of Aladdin? Anything, nothing going on there? No, I, again, you know, just that that works. You know, in fact, the only futzing you've seen, uh, you know, in that area, which I found fascinating, was the whole notion of swapping where you used to get the Dole Whip with uh, the beverage station that they. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, so the Aloha Isle and the Sunshine uh, ter- uh, Sunshine Tree ta- uh, Terrace. Yep. And and again, totally on the back of bumping the number of people you can bring, bring into this park per day. Because what they were founding is by having the dole were positioned where it was before. I mean, never mind the fact that, you know, right next to this is where the entrance to where the Jungle Cruise Cafe is going to be. You know, so you're already dealing with a line situation. Uh, but they were just finding that on really busy days that, you know, the people who were trying to get Dole Whip and, and that sort of thing were pushing out into that really narrow, um, you know, walkway. By Swiss Family Treehouse. Yeah. And so it was just sort of like, and it's not like you can pick up the Swiss Family Treehouse and move it back 10 feet. Nope. Um, so it's like, all right, let's swap these two and and move them to an area that, uh, you know, that can handle lines better and and... You know, it just so far it seems to be working. Can you uh, can you do a quick uh, blurb on that for uh, Swiss Family Trios? Sure, sure, that's good. All right, so nothing at Magic Carpets Aladdin. What about uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? We have a story there already about it being they're going to be uh, fill in uh, parts of all five films mm-hmm. in the as, oh. as a tribute into the ride. Yeah, I mean, I guess we could leave that one in place if you wanted, because again, it, you know, that's still as we were just talking about, that's still chugging forward. Is it? Um, um, is it going to be a 2016 film or 2017 film? Well, now it's 2017, but but again, that's just that's on the back of you know the hard reality of just Disney's release schedule is so hyper stacked between Marvel and Pixar and yeah, yeah. God knows what else. So it just this one got pushed out uh, another couple of years. So. All right, cool. Um, all right, good. I'll change the date on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything about the Tiki Room going on? Um, you know, as of right now, the, the, the Tiki Room, you know, the, 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 we've got the old show back in place with the clips and the cuts, and it's it's doing what it's supposed to. You know, it, it's for those folks who grew up with the old show, they're happy to see it back in the somewhat mutated form. Uh, they're not getting the guest complaints about, you know, under new management, 
But at the same time, I mean, if you go in there, um, you're maybe 90 seconds into the show when everybody just sort of whips out their phones and is, you know, check, checking messages. Good or time to check mail, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's it exactly. You know, just sort of like, I'm inside, I'm air-conditioned, you know. It, it, in fact, you know, the joke that they make now is that, you know, when you're working the attraction, it's not the tiki-tiki-tiki room, it's the texty-texty-texty room. You know, just... <laughs> You know, just, it's like nobody's watching the show. You know, the birds could be, you know, you know, with their back to the audience, and it just doesn't. Nobody matters. It's like, oh yeah, I'm listening to the music, and hey, look, they, we're meeting at the mansion in 15 minutes. So, uh, <laughs> that's funny. Is there? Uh, all right, so let's move to Frontierland. Is there anything uh, coming up for Frontierland? You got Big Thunder Mountain, you got Country Bear, Splash Mountain, well, Hamster Island. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously on the back of Lone Ranger underperforming the, you know, the, the, the idea that the Lone Ranger characters would be brought in or added to the theming of yeah, Big Thunder fun. fell by the wayside. Uh, Splash, uh, continues to have maintenance issues, but they are giving it attention. Um, it's right now, it's sort of looking, um, there was a, a game that they were actually doing at Disneyland uh, that involved, uh, you know, sort of gold miners and property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Our uh, our 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 guy guy uh, played yeah. it. Yep. And uh, you know, it's they've been eyeballing whether or not to bring that out. Um, the problem is that uh, in Disneyland. Frontierland is not part of the parade route. I mean, it, it's it's sort of its own little island into itself. You know, the parades come from Small World, you know, march up the road. That away, go by the Matterhorn, straight up Main Street and out. Um, you know, they would love to bring this game, uh, you know, from the West Coast to the East Coast. But the reality is that they'd have to shut it down uh, middle like, of the day. Two times a day for parades. For parades and that sort of thing, and it's just like, and in the end, that just that wasn't going to work. Um, so, you know, right now it's more about okay, so let's give attention. You know, that it's our, our attractions seem to be operating okay, and let's pay attention to Frontierland from a food point of view. You know, just that that, that that's you know, right now it's it's about better grub, you know, so to speak. Uh, you know, being able to serve larger numbers of people and sit down. Uh, in fact, you know, that that's one of the more interesting aspects is, you know, Liberty Tree Tavern that sort of sits at the very edge of Frontierland. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a redesign of that restaurant coming, uh, mostly to deal with ADA issues. So, you know, that so much of it is on, you know, weird levels that, you know, they, they just find that they, they can't, you know, between the number of guests who are in carts and, and that sort of thing, it's like, all right, we got to bite the bullet here. Um, so yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting, uh, it's interesting setup at Liberty Street Tavern. If you haven't, for our listeners who haven't been in there, six rooms, um, each yep. themed to a different area. Yep. Of colonial America, so there's a Philadelphia room with mm-hmm. federal style furniture and a portrait of Ben Franklin. You've got a New England uh, tavern, I believe. Yep. Uh, sorry, Virginia Tavern, New England fishing village restaurant. So George Washington and whoever was from New England, one mm-hmm. of our founding fathers. But but it's uh, they're smaller rooms. I mean, just, you can tell it was designed in the 70s. Lots yeah. of stairs, no ramps, no or very little ADA accessibility. Yeah, and it just it's one of these things where that's, you know, I mean, if you, for example, you know, 
take a look at that and take a look at Be Our Guest. Where, yeah, completely different. You know, you have all sorts of amazing theming, but, you know, that, that entire facility, you know, is ADA accessible. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of the new marching orders going forward is that in each of Disney's, you know, Disney World signature restaurants that, uh, you know, we have to, you know, we have to take our older facilities and and make them work for today's guests. And right. cool. So, can you do a quick blurb on that for um for sure. All right, cool. Yep. Um, so nothing nothing going on in uh in Frontierland. Not again. Just right. the, the, just the whole notion of uh, you know that, that right now that the, the focus of you know if you think about it, that's where you go to get your turkey legs. That's where you go to get you know um kind of that that's again we talked about Pecos Bill. This is all about, uh, you know, trying to getting that new huge giant backstage restaurant up and running. And in theory, it's supposed to be able to, to support all three of these restaurants plus the, the turkey leg facility. And wow. it's, you know, it's just going to be interesting to see if, if it can do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Uh, all right. So besides, uh, so moving on to Liberty Square, we've got Hall of Presidents, Haunted Mansion. Mm-hmm. We talked about the new Hocus Pocus Villain show. Yeah, that's going to go there. Uh, Liberty Bell Riverboat. You're talking about the new Liberty Street Tavern. Yeah. Um, anything else in Liberty Square? You know, as of as of right now, you know, just we are um, we're dealing with a constant issue of you know, you know that we we live in in increasing times where people aren't necessarily getting along politically. And, you know, the, so you're saying, hold on, you're saying that when President Bernie Sanders is, and, is entered uh, into the Hall of Presidents in early 2017, there's going to cause some consternation there? Yeah, you know, that there's already, you know, there have been some somewhat ugly incidents, you know, with the Obama figure, you know, and, and, but again, it's just, you know, um, you know, that they don't happen for you know, frequently enough that, that Disney has to do something like, say, put, you know, a member of the security team in there. But it just sort of like, it's just, it's so weird that this was an attraction that was created in 71 that everyone used to really enjoy and, you know, treat with great respect. And it just sort of, it reflects the times that we live in, that it just sort of the notion of, you know, well, he may be the president, but he's not my president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's just, it's unfortunate. But, you know, but at the same time, it's just sort of like it is what it is. And, you know, uh, you, you know, <laughs> there, you know, there are cast members that will tell you flat out that, you know, well, if you didn't like what they're saying about Obama, you should have heard what they did during the Bush years. <laughs> so, you know, just, that's, exactly. you, you know, that that's, being rude and obnoxious isn't, you know, it, it isn't something that one party can claim. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Know, it cuts both ways. So no, that show pretty much stays as it is. Um, you know that every so often they sort of eyeball it, and the fact is that it 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 still underperforms. Uh, they're not filling. You know, they barely get a, a, a third of an audience uh, for every show, and you know that that. They kick the tires every now and then of, you know, do we do something different in this space? But it's just sort of like, um, you know, I, this is the hard reality that, that there's no IP, you know, Disney IP you can tie to, um, 
you know, the, the Hall of Presidents. In fact, there, there was uh, this very interesting about three or four month long period where right after the second National Treasure movie, oh, uh, yeah. where they, they actually talked about, you know, sort of Nicolas Cage's character acting as the host. And the interesting thing is that, uh, tr- you know, National Treasure 3, after all these years, is moving forward again. And, you know, that perhaps they'll now circle back around to that idea of, you know, just, you know, with a narrator and with a, you know, a, a more, you know, that the, a, a slant on the show that celebrates the fact that, you know, that, that our, our founding fathers were humans. They yeah. weren't waxworks or, you know, they, they weren't all made of bronze. And, you know, the whole notion of the, you know, what a constant struggle it is to be America, you know, uh, that, you know, maybe that would help with that show. It's actually an interesting point because, um, and we may have said this on the show very, very early on, but mm-hmm. one of the things that um, political scientists observe about the Hall of Presidents and about uh, the American Adventure in Epcot is that both of those attractions present America's problems as mm-hmm. being solved. Yep. And they're not, right? I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of no, we've no. struggled with for, you know, hundreds of years, right? And we will continue to struggle yeah. with. I mean, that, that's, I think that's, in a weird sort of way, that's one of America's great virtues or charms is that we keep putting our problems in the front window. Yeah. You know, just sort of like, hey, look, we screwed up. You know, so... You know, you know what'd be interesting for Hall of Presidents. I'm just throwing this idea out there for any Disney Imagineers that are doing it. You take the idea that they did for Star Tours, where mm-hmm. you've got different ride sequences. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just do uh, a random film element that highlights the particular achievements or, or challenges faced under every administration. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, because I mean, who, what, what did Franklin Pierce have to uh, have to accomplish while he was in prison? What were the pro- challenges he faced? What did he? How did he approach it? And what was the big thing coming out of his? Administration. Nobody knows, but it would be interesting to uh, to hear. And they you know, they could do one uh, out of the what is it forty four presidents mm-hmm. that we've had. Uh, you know, you know, it's it's weird that you bring this up because that you know as part of the Disney's America project. In fact, this was one of the more controversial aspects of the project was that uh, they were actually going to pull the Hall of Presidents out of Walt Disney World. Oh, really, and move it to DC. It, well, not. In the form that we know it, in the Hall of Presidents literally was going to be to like the never-ending hallway at the, at the Haunted Mansion. You you would have an alcove off of each hallway with the AA figure of the president standing there. And the very thing you talked about, that you'd walk up, there'd be these touch panels, you could touch a button, and you know, the AA figure would go through three and four different speeches for that figure. But, you know, whether it was the Whiskey Rebellion or, you know, uh, Teapot Dome or... Fighting Godzilla, yeah, whatever. I mean, it was, yeah, you know. Now, that one would have been popular. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, just the notion was that each of these alcoves, you know, you would do the president uh, as an individual, not as a group, you know, that that you'd get into specifics about the challenges the administration made. And, you know, the nice thing about Grant is if you slipped him a 20, you know, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden you're, a, you're running the attraction. <laughs> there you go. You, know, you want some oil lease rights? Absolutely. <laughs> you made a cheap dome scandal joke, didn't there you? <laughs> all right. Anyway. All right. So on to Fantasyland. So we've um, what's going on in Fantasyland? Any, any new developments coming up? Well, again, you've just spent all of this money on that side of the park. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, they're still sitting there kind of eyeballing, you know, how did everything get impacted? Uh, it, it's what for, for me is fascinating was watching after so much fanfare. I remember how the, the citizens of Fantasyland were walked out or the, uh, that, that I, I'm trying to remember the group of clowns that they introduced for, uh, the Dumbo Yeah, for, uh, circus. yeah, and then that, and then there weren't. Well, you know, but that's the hard reality. It's just this whole notion of, you know, you put things out there and then you actually put them in front of the guests and see how they react. And the reality was that it was hard for a group of live entertainers to compete with uh, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train and in the, um, you know, the Giggle Gang situation, you know, just one of these things where there, there's, you know, the double Dumbo spinner and the water play area. And, you know, I mean, I, I, again, I know the guy who actually wrote the script for all of these shows and they put months in and they tested everything and they, you know, uh, but it just, they could not in the end compete. They weren't drawing enough to attention to, to validate, you know, keeping that project alive. So they got shut down. And, you know, the money in turn was, was used to extend the operating hours of, um, of Fairytale Hall. You know, the notion of the amount of money that we're spending for three and four people to be on the street every hour or so to be the, 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 the royal citizens of the, the Magic Kingdom or the Giggle Gang, uh, we can, hire a bunch more girls to be Rapunzel or Anna or Elsa or that sort of thing. And that's what they opted to do. Um, you know, give the public what they actually wanted versus, you know, here's this show that you should be atten paying attention to, but you're walking right by. Uh -huh. um, you know, I mean, Disney in the end gets kind of ruthless about this sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, that it, right now, um, to be honest, you know that so much of of what's going on in Fantasyland right now sort of keys off of what just happened in Frontierland. I mean, you know, the notion of uh, you know, be our guest is this hugely successful uh, facility that you know finally caved and started offering breakfast, uh, but at the same time, just just you know the you know staring down the barrel of of the operational issues, whether it's, you know, having to hand out umbrellas to guests standing in line there on the bridge or making sure that, you know, you, you know, somebody's walking up and down, making sure everybody's got a glass of water because of, you know, the brutal Florida heat. I mean, there, there have been some, some operational issues, uh, sure. you know, but, but at the same time, it's, it's like, okay, so that's a success. So we now turn and take a look at, uh, Cinderella's Royal Table. And, you oh, know, geez, yeah, yeah, that's it's super expensive. It is. It is. Uh, and it, it no longer has the cachet that it once did. Uh, so it's it now becomes a question of, OK, so if, if we have our mass appeal restaurant, we have our be our guest, um, should we now be thinking about repositioning Cinderella's Royal Table as a, you know, as something different, a far more elite uh, dining venue. I mean, they've done for a couple of um, the hard ticket events, mm -hmm. uh, they've done a couple of really sort of elite meal type offerings up there that have been, you know, uh, 
you know, really well received. And so really, so make it a very high end restaurant. So, so don't try and compete with, with be our guest as sort of like upscale casual. Go, go like Victorian Alberts. No, that's it. Exactly. Just the whole notion of, you know, if we're going to make this genuinely special, uh, you know, that, that, you know, it's because face it, you know, that, at this point, as a character, dining experience is problematic. You can't really, you know, it's not like you can get the mass crowds you can get into, say, Crystal Palace. No, no, no. And you know? uh, and the food's not that great in the menu. No. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, Be Our Guest is the hot restaurant, right? It's, no, that, that's it exactly. Yeah, yeah. So so what do you do? The problem yeah. is, is that, I mean, you, I mean you, you've, eaten, have you, you've eaten at Victorian Elvers? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a three hour meal, and you can't do a three hour meal with kids, so they're kind of stuck. Like we'd love to do high end stuff, but yeah. you know it's it's a high end fifteen minute. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's like the Jiffy Lube of of, uh, of hot cuisine. You you're, you're not gonna you're not gonna be in and out in half an hour. No, that's it exactly. And and the the interesting thing is though looking again, again circling back to what we talked about earlier on the back of the success of the new live action Cinderella. In fact, that that this decision is kind of waiting right now on seeing how um this and by the way, that film was directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh totally. you know, yep. Hamlet. And yep, there you go. And he did he did an amazing job. Disney loves him. That that you know, he was you know, the first guy out of the gate with these new live action redos and delivered a high quality project that people really responded to. And that sort of validated this whole concept that Sean Bailey's walking out now. Okay. So, so they're thrilled with him, but it just, it's the notion of could this be the place that we do, um, you know, the, the Bronog Cinderella? Could we, you know, is, you know, but, oh, but again, interesting idea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, but at the same time, Always what they face with Disney is the notion of if we change this facility and all of those people who gotten engaged up there or all those people who have happy memories of a special dinner with their family. Yeah, and it's the, got, yeah but you know what? I mean, you still have the memory, right? And there's no guarantee that it's going to be like that forever. I understand that. I understand yeah, but, that. But, yeah, but it's a perception it, thing. No, that's it exactly. I it's mean, like, it just, uh, have you seen that uh, the Four Seasons is moving in New York City? Yeah. yeah, it's it's like that. People and people are saying the exact same thing. It's like you know, it, you can you can move the chefs and you can move the tables and you can mm-hmm. move, but that's not where I had my first date, and that's yeah. not where I cut my first deal, and that's not yeah. where I proposed. You know? Yeah. So. Ha! Huh, interesting. Yeah, it just again, and and that's kind of the weird balancing act. Especially with the kingdom. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, just because again, it's the number one park at. You know, face it. If you're going to Walt Disney World, you know, and you only have a day or so, yeah, you're going there. It's most you're two going thirds, to two thirds of the one day tickets get to, get get to use there. Yeah, and so you know, so you you have to respect the fact that while you have new customers coming through the door, for a lot of people, the appeal of this place is nostalgia. So, you know, for example, what they just did to the hub, you know, the whole notion yeah. of it has to look. Like it's been there forever yeah. while at the same time, you know, you are, you know, facilitating everybody who's booked, you know, their magic band special place to watch the fireworks of the parade. Right. So anything, uh, anything interesting happening at Princess Fairytale Hall or is that going to be status quo for a while? Um, you know, that that's things are going to get interesting very soon. Uh, you know, face it, Anna and Elsa will be decamping early next year. Wait, they're leaving the Magic Kingdom, you think? Well, you know, face it, right next door 
to um you know to to the 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 Norway frozen attraction Disney's building that super deluxe meet and greet facility where you know at any one time there's going to be three different sets of Anna's and Elsa's behind the scenes there, much in the same way that, you know, uh, you know, the, four Mickey Mouse's at, uh, Tom Square Theater. There you go. Um, but you know, that, that way, you know, everybody who wants to get time with Anna and Elsa, and also, I think you were the one who pointed out that, you know, two of these sets of Anna and Elsa are going to be Fast Pass, My Magic Plus, you know, that sort of thing. There's only going to be one set available for, for walk, you know, walk ups. Um, so this is going to be, uh, you know, once they leave the kingdom, the, you know, and, and again, Epcot makes no bones about it. Epcot wants, and again, an exclusive on Anna and Elsa just because, you know, based on their own research, they, they, they anticipate seeing a 20% jump in attendance the day that, um, you know, the, the frozen ride officially comes online. 20 more people, 20% more people going to, uh, to Norway because of, uh, Anna and Elsa. Just because of Anna and Elsa. 20% more people going to the theme park, not just Norway. 20%. You know, 20%. For you how know, long? That, I mean, not over the course of a year. You think that's as big as, uh, Diagon Alley? Um, I, I know from having talked with the people who are doing, already putting together the promotion, for the they they're going to sell it like it's Diagon Alley. Um, in fact, you really, know, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, you were going to see a full blown advertising campaign that you know it's you know I, I apologize to the people of Central Florida, but you're going to be hearing "Let It Go" to the point where you're you're ready to jump off a rooftop. Um, All right, well let's uh, let's do that for uh, for the Norway Pavilion in uh, in Epcot. Okay. All right. But yeah, full blown. So you think you really think Anna and Elsa are, are leaving Princess Fairytale Hall? Um, I, I at least for the launch period. You know that that's and we're, we're talking anywhere from three to six months. Okay. Uh, you know, it, and the weird thing of it is, is that you know that they've already been discussions about. You know, face it. Right now, you've got Rapunzel and Cinderella paired, uh, and it. It it just it now becomes this weird situation where it's like okay so if we pull Anna and Elsa, who are we putting in there? Right. Who's next? You know, yeah. You know who, what's the draw? You know that that the, what will kids respond to? And you know the you know and it, it's just one of the things right now the Disney research is showing them that you know the thing that would have as strong a draw. Would be uh, bringing uh, the, I'm blanking her name from Brave uh, Merida. Merida Merida. Well, she's got and, that thing at uh, Princess Fairytale Garden, but then they'd have to cancel that. Well, or they could do two. Well, no, they're actually that then opens up um, a piece of real estate. And, ah, oh, so do, all right. So let's do that as a story. Uh, okay. Anna and Nelson move out, Merida moving in. Yeah, and who then goes into uh, you know. Because we're still, um, uh, things are really in flux right now at, at uh, Walt Disney Feature Animation. I mean, for example, Frozen 2 uh, is chugging along the development track, but also Wreck-It Ralph 2. And Disney has decided, uh, they actually had a, a Jack and the Beanstalk film in the works, but they've now announced that uh, they're going to do a Jack and the Beanstalk's live-action film. Uh, so they've actually slowed down the development on the animated film, which was going to go into the Magic Kingdom. I'm just going to throw out a casting idea for Jack and the Beanstalk. Anna Kendrick. 
and spell it J A C Q U E. <laughs> or okay. or Nicki Minaj, same thing, uh, same spelling. Oh God! All right, I'm, I'm there for you. I'm there for you, okay. Walt Disney Company. I, I, that's, that's, and and boy, do they appreciate this! <laughs> All right, so Princess Fairy Tale Hall, new Anne and Elsa moving to Epcot as an exclusive to get people there at least for six months, and you're going to talk yeah. about how that how that changes the dynamic of where all the other princesses are. All right, cool. Anything in uh, anything in Tomorrowland? Uh, again, Tomorrowland right now. Um, you know that that's we're still in the eleventh hour of the negotiations between Universal and Marvel. Uh, and in fact, uh, the lat the most recent sign is Universal is you know it's like are you kidding? We're hanging on to these characters forever. So uh, uh, this is the thing about how Disney, who owns Marvel, when yep. they when they bought Marvel, they agreed mm-hmm. to um, they had to. Uh, yep. By the contract that Universal had signed many years ago with Universal, that mm-hmm. gives them East East Coast exclusive rights yep. to all the major um, Marvel characters. That means Disney can't use them in the parks. Yeah, and but the weird thing of it is, is that Guardians of the Galaxy, because those characters weren't featured at all. You know, I mean that they're you know, they weren't part of the original uh, master licensing deal. Right. Yeah. Uh, and and good. Every so often, you will see Disney bring them into the parks. Yeah, yeah. There was the who was the who was the main character? Um, uh, the Star Lord. Yeah, and, Solid. and so he was actually in Tomorrowland for a while, right? They sort of walked him up for a couple of weeks. Well, yeah, and, and Gamora, and just this past uh, week or so, they did a, a sort of a special event in the kingdom. Where you know you could actually pose in a box, uh, you know the the collector had supposedly collect you, which was again part of the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. Um, you know that. So here's the thing: Disney was hoping that Tomorrowland would be a hit, so they could use that to retool Tomorrowland. Uh, Marvel is off the table, um, you know, because of this ongoing issue. Star Wars is obviously going into the studio. So you're in, again, this weird space where Tomorrowland, once again, is kind of this meh. You know, just that you've got the Monsters University show, you've got Stitch, uh, you've got, you know, you the can't Speedway, really, People Mover, Carousel of Progress. You're, you're, you've got these things, you're locked into place. So, you know, you kind of circle back on Carousel of Progress again. And it's like... And, you know, this is, a, a, you know, particularly in the, the last scene of the show now, a woefully out of date. You know, I mean, hell, you know, the, I think one of the char- characters on stage is a brownie camera. You know, <laughs> just, Actually, it's funny, the, uh, the laptop is a, uh, is a monochrome screen compact, I believe. Well, there you go. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's got to be 20 years old. So, you know, the, the, there are these continuing conversations about, what do we do with this show? And, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, obviously circle back on Gene Shepard. He passed away, you know, almost 10 years ago at this point. Um, they've actually had conversations. The most recent conversation was with Morgan Freeman about, you know, would he be interested in coming in to do the show? And, you know, as the new narrator, and it, it, then it got kind of interesting because it's like, well, okay, so does this now become, you know, a family of color? Yeah, and African American, yeah, that'd be interesting because it, it'd it, be a, it's a different perspective for sure. 
Yeah, and it was just one of these things where that wasn't a conversation that Disney was ready to have at this point. But you know what, though? Because as soon as you said Morgan Freeman, that's where I jumped, and I'm like, well, that's going to require many more changes than just the voiceover. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and for Disney to not think of that would be uh, moderately surprising. Well, you know, but this is the thing that 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 you know they they are looking for a distinctive voice, and you know, and you know, somebody who can can really bring a certain weight to the show. And, and you know, the irony is that that they, they were working this new list of possible narrators, and I don't know if you know this, but. James Earl Jones is actually coming back to voice Darth Vader for oh, the, for the Star Wars Rebels animated series. And, oh, and they're like, "Hey, while you're while we've got you here in the studio." <laughs> yeah, that that's it exactly. And it was just one of these things where it's like um and and more to the point Disney was trying to make the point that well, we're colorblind so that we could have a James Earl Jones or a Morgan Freeman come through and just narrate the show. Uh, and it, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just yeah. a great voice coming out of an AA figure and it gives us an excuse to do, uh, you know, uh, to redo the show and to, to finally address that final scene that needs work. And, and again, it was supposedly Freeman himself who brought it up and it was just sort of like, and again, that was just one of these things where that really wasn't a conversation that Disney was ready to have at that point. But I would imagine on the back of Ferguson and all that, uh, you have to. So, um, but yeah, that they are they are once again kicking the tires about how to fix that, and uh, you know, and there's I I will just flat out say this: there were Imagineers who's like, get that thing out of the parks, take it over to Epcot, put it, set it up in um, Interventions, you know, just break it down as a walkthrough exhibit, uh, you know, just free up that real estate in the middle of the park. Let's do something that would really be futuristic, that would really be fun in that spot. Um, and, you know, but at the same time, it's just that, you know, the problem is that there isn't a Disney IP uh, that they could wrap around it. I mean, you know, I mean, that, that, that's, I think one of the things people really need to understand is, you know, for example, the, um, uh, what is it? The Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters or whatever that show is called in Florida. Buzz Lightyear uh, is a Space Ranger Spin. Space Ranger Spin. Okay. Um, Disney had an idea for that as early as 1977. It was the Little Green Men ride. And you right, were supposed, yeah. you know, supposed to go through a building, get you know, an Omni Mover and shoot at things. And But again, it was just the notion of they didn't have a character that they could build that ride around. Till you know, Toy Story opened in November of 1955 or 1995. Um, so that's what they're waiting on right now. They 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 need an IP that they can go to the board and people love this and you know let's you know rip that out and put that in there. I mean it's 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 kind of like right now how. You know, there were so many Imagineers who were like, oh, please, 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 please let Inside Out be the biggest hit that Pixar's ever had. <laughs> exactly. That's what they want to do with the Imagination Pavilion. That's, you know, that that's they want to do the 3D movie uh, of, you know, you're inside the mind with with joy and, and you know, sorrow and, you know, or sadness and, and anger and, and you know, fear. 
Um, you know, but that only works if this is a massive, massive monster hit. Okay. Hmm. All right. So that'll be, well, that's a TBD. We'll see what happens, but it looks like it's big. All right, cool. Okay. Anything, um, anything about the parades, Festival of Fantasy, Main Street Electrical Parade or Wishes, anything? Um, I know that they're building new, uh, new turrets outside of the castle on the Main Street side. Yeah. And I think those are projections. Yeah. They, they are definitely, the projection shows, uh, have been hugely successful. Uh, more to the point, the Disneyland Forever show that just debuted at, um, in, in Anaheim. Uh, has just, there's just been a huge response to it. So, um, there are discussions of doing the exact same sort of show now, uh, for the Magic Kingdom in Florida. Uh, this does get dicey because you don't have, um, you don't have a Matterhorn. You can't do what they do there where you can move the story to different services. So it's it's the castle and the buildings of Main Street. Uh, but the upside is the buildings of Main Street in Florida are so much taller than the ones in Anaheim, it gives them a lot more screen space to play on. Uh, likewise, Paint the Night has been, um, you know, hugely successful. So it's this notion of, okay, that worked. Uh, we have a 50th anniversary coming up for Walt Disney World, uh, let's get these things going sooner than expected. So new nighttime parade, uh, new fireworks and projection show. Uh, but you know, as for fan- uh, festival of fantasy, new uh, enough, it, yeah. it's new enough. I mean, it, it does have some operation is- issues. Some, some of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the Maleficent dragon from day one, you know, they, they, they built it. It's beautiful. They hadn't taken into consideration some of the really tight corners it has yeah. to. Uh, but, you know, no, it's it's been successful. That's going to continue on. But uh, for right now, it's looking at a new nighttime parade, and it's looking uh, for a new uh, fireworks projection combination show for that part. Hmm. Okay. And do you think they'll, they'll do that in the next uh, year? Um, year, maybe two. I mean, you know, that, that's, you have to be cold blooded about this. Uh, 2016 is really the year of Epcot between, um, you know, you're going to see, um, Illuminations uh, and, uh, Norway. Illuminations, Norway. You're going to have your brand new theater for soaring open. Uh, that's where your money and your focus is going to go. Uh, kingdom right now. I mean, face it, you, you spent, you know, God, get a, depending on who you talk to, 350 to 400 million dollars on new fantasy land coupled with the, the, you know, 100 million on what you're doing in the hub and the backstage areas and the new restaurant. Epcot gets its love next year. A uh, year after that, uh, you have Avatar opening and then you nice, will see. A while. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, we're, we're, you know, but but again, it's it's all about understanding that we are marching. You know, it's weird to say this in 2015, but uh, you know, 2011 will be here in a heartbeat. 2021. 2021. Uh, yeah, we'll be, be here in a heartbeat. <laughs> you round you rounded without. You didn't do the carry carry the one there, Jim. There you go. <laughs> uh, it and, will. I mean, it, well, I mean, I mean, hell, maybe Star Wars <laughs> ready by then. All right, so yeah. so that's good. So uh, so you think new parade and fireworks show or no? 
Um, a new part parade of fireworks show are in under consideration in development. Okay, uh, you know, but but as for you know a, an exact arrival date, it it honestly it kind of depends on, um, you know, just again this is Disney that they're, they're walking around trying to find somebody who you know, hey, do you want to fund this? Do you yeah. want to sponsor this? Because if you do, we can fast track it, and if it's our money, it's going to take a little longer. All right, let's move to uh, to Epcot real quick, and then we'll uh, we'll stop for this particular episode. Um, okay. We already talked about the new Norway and an Elsa meet yep. and greet, and the new ride. Are there any details about the new ride? Um, I I will tell you, uh, you know, having talked with the folks in animation, uh, the special projects unit, uh, it's it's been kind of interesting. There's a lot of new animation that they're doing for this, but at the same time, they are pulling uh, stuff out of the film. And, you know, repurposing that, um, the, the extension of the, um, the ride trough seems to have been successful. So you're going to get, uh, another 35, 40 seconds out of this attraction just because, you know, they've eaten parts of the building that previously were movie theater and the offload area for, um, uh, uh, for Maelstrom. And it's just interesting what they've left in place. I mean, the, the up and down configuration, the whole, the fact that you're pushed backwards through the ride. Uh, in this case, it's not the trolls that push you backwards. Uh, it's, um, what is his name? Um, Cupcake? I, I'm, I'm blanking the name of the snow monster from that movie. Okay. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 the giant snow monster rises up and that's what knocks you backwards down the falls. Uh, you will be chased down at least one of the slides by Olaf. Um, and the folks who have seen the, the Anna and Elsa figures, uh, that are going into the attraction, particularly the Elsa, it, this is, you know, this is, if you you are impressed by the Wicked Witch in uh, the uh, uh, the Great Movie Ride, you're just going to be blown away by Elsa. They really are doing some amazing work with this. Uh, but at the same time, you know, just the worry is that when you do something that's this elaborate, you know, and and, and you, it's the Yeti problem. Yeah, that's it exactly. And and of course, you know, the irony is that you know, in fact, I cannot believe that the Disney fan community hasn't fallen all over this, but. You know, we are 10 days, you know, since, you know, uh, Disneyland has introduced not one but three Yetis that work yeah. in in the Matterhorn. And, you know, it's just sort of like, hey, you can make it work in Anaheim. So, it's it's got to be the humidity in, uh, in Florida. That's there you go. They, you know, well, like, again, again, my understanding is that the... the the uh, the abominable snowman drives in from Palm Springs every day. It's, it's, it's a lovely, it's a, it's a magical place. There you go. So. All right, so Soren is getting a a new theater, and you saying you think they're getting a film in 2016 too? Yeah, but first things first. Um, the big deal of the new Soren theater is digital projection. In fact, they just debuted this again out in Anaheim. I heard it was uh, really good. It's amazing. It's amazing. But it's just like new theater opens with, um. With the digital projector, and where this gets interesting is that um, they're not, <laughs> you're, you know, um, you're not going to see the the line necessarily immediately die for soaring because what they're going to do 
is they're going to bring the new theater online and shut down one of the old theaters to convert that over to to, uh, okay. to, to digital. digital. And then, you know, once that one comes up, they'll shut down the other theater and bring that up to digital. And only, you know, you're talking about three to six months after the new theater actually has come online that you're finally going to see this brand new, um, you know, that, that you're going to get the actual full capacity. Um, but at the same time, you know, that that's what's interesting about doing it that way is that we will be, then be able to take advantage of the fact that the the new soaring film will have debuted as part of uh, Shanghai Disneyland, and you know, because Shanghai Disneyland now, I want to say, what is that? Spring of 2016. Um, you know, they they're being pretty cagey about the opening date. But, uh, you know, once the, you know, you'll have all your new theater conversions and mm-hmm. uh, they'll roll out the new film, uh, which, you know, not so coincidentally will, you know, feature a flyover of the new Disney theme park. And you think it's in 2016? 2016. All right, cool. Good. All right. Um, and Illuminations is coming. Uh, new Illuminations is coming. You think that's you think it's going to be this year or next year? Um, my understanding is again that started to slide mostly because, uh, again, it's just the whole notion of let's make 2016 the year of Epcot, you know, uh, which will divert attention away from the fact that we haven't done anything with Star Wars yet. Right. Uh, it's like, hey, look at this. Do you, you know? um, do you know, um, anything about the new presentation? Um, <sighs> There was actually, in fact, you, you probably saw the, um, you know, the patent out there that, that Disney really wanted to do something with drones. Uh, and in fact, they wanted to do something for quite some time now. But the, the hard reality is that they can't fly drones over people. And so the way they've decided to get around that is that if they fly drones a hundred feet out, um, over, uh, you know, World Showcase Lagoon. So, you know, the whole notion is that, you know, you set up del- deliberate parameters for the show. So the characters are out there a hundred feet out from shore, which again, then gets interesting because it's like in order for them to read, uh, and work, you know, a hundred feet out, they have to be that much bigger. Ah, uh, right, right, yeah. So you have, you know, this, you know, in fact, the test figure they used, was Jack Skellington, uh, you know, because it was like, you know, face it, he's got a white skull that you could light from in, inside, inside, and, you know, you can, you know, he's got a dangly body that works well, you know, off of a drone, but it's just sort of like, all right, so how do we do this? You know, which characters do we, and, and more to the point, do we now use a Disney IP, you know, or a Pixar IP? Uh, and who's going to work in that drone format. So they are, um, but, you know, the, the safety considerations of the show are whatever the drone element is has to occur 100 feet away from the public, that they can look out of the water, they can watch that, and more to the point, if a drone goes out of control, and that is always the fear, uh, there's a way you could kill it so it just falls straight into the water. You know, so it's never a question of drone out of control goes into a crowd. You know, that's that's the notion is that each of these drones will have a feature where if it deviates from its its routine and seems to be threatening cloud, they just 
you know, explode it. And it's, it's all this well, they just they killed the power switch, and uh-huh. it just sort of, you know, propeller stopped moving, falls into the water, you recover later. So, um, mm-hmm. but it, again, it just that that that's what's fascinating about you know Disney these days that that it's not so much the I mean don't get me wrong safety is a huge issue uh but at the same time it's just sort of like you know we want to deliver a good show uh we want to wow the crowds we just don't want to hurt anybody uh so where's the sweet spot between you know that the lawyers will actually let us act with here and that you know they and you know I'll tell you the lawyers were initially pushing for well, could they be 300 feet from shore? And it's like, that's where the fireworks barge is. So, you know, just kind of a different show. You watch the drone explode as it gets caught in the, and that's the other aspect of this is that they have to do all of this testing under conditions where how is a drone going to be impacted if you are firing off shells, you know, 200 feet behind it? Right. Yeah. What if, uh, yeah, I mean, just, be, well, also that, uh, the, the shells actually, uh, change, the shape of the air. We've all, you've all felt it, right? I mean, you feel the that's, air move. That's it, exactly. And, and more to the point, is it then bad show to, you know, when these bursts of light and you can actually, you don't see the character anymore. You see the thing, uh, that's dangling from the drone. I mean, this, this is actually one of the reasons why, um, they backed off on, um, using the dragon. That had been created. I mean, you remember the opening of New Fantasyland when they made such a big deal about the dragon flying overhead. Uh, that, uh, you know, just, but in the end, it was like the notion of, well, we can only use this after dark, which then, you know, now you had a whole new level of operational issues because that means whoever is flying the dragon has to take off in the dark right. and land in the dark. And it's just sort of like, this is, this is bad stuff. We okay. should really, you know. Um, okay. Yeah, that's uh, it's tricky. I understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you you could put an autopilot in that thing. I mean, there's no... Yeah. No. No. That's it exactly. Yeah. So. All right. What about um, anything else going on in this uh, in World Showcase? I know we had talked a little bit about a Canada restaurant possibly coming or a bar. Do you think that's yeah. a, that's a trend that's going to keep happening? Because I know we we talked. Remember we talked uh, about this time two years ago about the um, spice our table coming in, and that that hasn't lived up to expectations. No, no, and, but you know, the, I think the hard reality is that uh, you know, look, nobody debates that it's it's not a, a beautiful facility and that it has amazing views. Um, I, I, I just it's one of these things where you kind of have to sort of face down the barrel of how do people actually want to dine on vacation. Um, okay, so we, what, do you th- what do you think is different about that versus like uh, the UK pavilion or um, Mexico? You know, um, well, here's, uh, we've had previous conversations with the, 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 the San Angelo, San Angel... San Angelin? Yeah. Uh, La Hacienda, um, actually, is the one that's closest to the water. Yeah. Um, your problem there is that... Um, you know, it's it's a beautiful facility, but you know the very thing that would make it a you know a huge seller uh, for these various nighttime shows that we were just talking about uh, is that it's not set up for that. I mean, if anything, the tables are orientated away from the windows, and in fact, that's you know, and if you think about the 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 uh, the pub for the UK, 
Uh, this was built for 82 and same thing. It's not really, the building's not orientated. Uh, you know, in fact, if you're sitting outside on, on the patios and that sort of thing, you can actually watch the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so that's, I guess the real irony about Spice Road Table is this is the first one to my knowledge that was built with the notion of won't this have an amazing view of our nighttime show? And that, you know, so we'll be sure to sell out. And you and I both know that's not the case. I mean, people can get off and walk up, what, 20 minutes, a half hour before the show opens, you know, or the, the illuminations begins and there are tables available. And, and that's, you know, in a weird sort of way, that's a reflection of the fact that, you know, I just don't find what you're offering uh, appealing, you know, mm-hmm. that, 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 you know, for tourists who are on vacation in Florida, you know, just, uh, you know, the menu that's offered right now at Spice Road. And, and this is the second iteration, isn't it? Or, or are we talking third now? Uh, it's the second. They, uh, they, so they launched and then they, it didn't work out. But originally when it launched, they didn't do discounts. They didn't take tables in Wonderland. There were no AP discounts or anything like that. Um, and they didn't take reservations. And the, the, the location itself, everyone agrees it's it's pretty. The menu is sort of lackluster for reasons we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Basically, they're essentially getting the third option on on Mediterranean food, um, and so they changed the menu up a little bit. But uh, you know, I think it's it's still floundering. I mean, I don't think anyone would call it even a qualified success at this point. It's it's no, underperformed. No. I mean, it's it let's let's say it's a, it's underperforming. Um, you know, we we were able to walk in there for lunch and literally have an entire side of the restaurant to ourselves. Yeah. And there are, there are many instances when you go there, uh, you know, at seven o'clock, 7 PM on a busy day in Epcot, and there will be literally no one sitting outside on the, on the, the side, uh, the open air part of the restaurant. And it's not like that in any other restaurant, um, you know, maybe China, but. And, and you have to ask yourself, I mean, cause again, let's face it, Morocco, has had this issue since day one. I mean, it don't get me wrong. The, the, the sit-down restaurant that's deep inside there. I've, restaurant Marrakesh. I, good restaurant. I, I didn't know. It's a great restaurant. Yeah. And I, I love the tea ceremony, and I, I love the genuine atmosphere. But because it's tucked away out of sight, it's never done the business that it's it was supposed to. And, and you know, I, I mean, think, people, people, I think Americans especially, not, not, aren't that familiar with, with Moroccan food. If they, um, you know, they probably think it's camel or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and you know, just sort of, yeah. and I, I don't know. It, it just, I just wonder if, as we go ahead here, whether there will be continued adjustments to the menu, or I, I, I don't know how you turn this situation around. You know, they they could actually move Restaurant Marrakesh to sit down over there, and then turn Restaurant Marrakesh into an attraction. Interesting. You know, they've got the space back there. They could, they could do it. That's yeah. true. It, you know, um, I think they would rather have two full restaurants than three not full restaurants. Yeah, I know. I um, know. Because of demand uh, and stuff like that, but uh, we'll see. All right, what about in uh, Future World? Anything going on in Future World in Epcot? Well, I, you know, that, that's... Other than the foreign thing? Well, I, you know, right now the attention is being focused on uh, both of the interventions that... Oh, right, that's right. Interventions West is closed. What's uh, what's going on there? Well, you know, that that's... Um, depending on who you talk to... Uh, there's been some talk because obviously Star Wars, uh, isn't moving forward quite at the speed that they'd hoped at the, at the studio. Right. That, that there, there have been some issues we'll get into, uh, you know, uh, further on down the line here. But as a direct result, um, 
and, and they face it, they want to do a promotional push you can see from the moon. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, for The Force Awakens. So there, there's actually been some conversations about, and, uh, this seems to be moving forward about taking that space and interventions and changing it into sort of the ultimate Star Wars museum. Um, and In using. The future world. Well, you know. Does not fit thematically. Well, uh, but but understanding that this is just temporary, which means it'll be there for a year and a half. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, sure, Jim. <laughs> you know, and it just you know just just the notion of uh, again, you want to create a situation. Remember, we're talking about 2016 being the year of Epcot. So, if you know you're a Star Wars fan, and face it, Star Wars: The Force Awakens opens basically at Christmas. Of this year. All right. We'll continue to chug strong in theory for the first three months of 2016. Then there'll be the Blu-ray DVD. So if you're a Star Wars fan, um, and and face it, you can't do this. You won't have the space over at the studio. Um, because again, this is about to become a construction site for Pixar Place and then in theory, you know the Star Wars land. We should live so long. All right. Well, again. All right. So you think you think Star Wars costume museum there? A costume prop museum, uh, temporary facility, uh, and then you know, and that buys them some breathing space because that that's the the other thing right now is that uh, without naming names, there's a really bad political behind the scenes things going on right now with Epcot and until this management issue is dealt with uh that park is going to have some issues that the, right. the, the the things that are moving forward now will happen but beyond uh, that but beyond that and there is so much stuff that needs to be taken care of whether it's you know uh revisiting retooling Ellen's energy adventure uh <sighs> you know yeah. uh you know, just that there, there is, and, and, you know, of course, the irony, it, it, it's the supreme irony of this, is just in the past week to 10 days, Disney has talked about building a giant new solar farm on. I saw that, but it's uh, for a uh, Reedy Creek Improvement District. There you go. They're doing there it with Duke Energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so you're doing all of this amazing well, state Well, remember, of the Jim, uh, solar is controversial. Or is well, nuclear power that's controversial, according to Bill? I, 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 I forget which one it is. That, that, but, but you, you, you get the idea that if you have literally, we, there, Disney is doing cutting edge energy stuff, and we, we have an Ellen's energy. A, a film that's twenty years old. Twenty years old. <laughs> what about? Yeah. Uh, so speaking, going back to the Star Wars thing, you mentioned the, you know, it's a film. Uh, Disney this year has replaced Captain EO a couple of times mm-hmm. with. Uh, film previews. They did one for Tomorrowland, and then they're doing one for Inside Out. Yep. Do you see that? Do you see that, see that continuing hap- to happen, or do you think Captain EO is coming back for a longer run again? Uh, I'm I, I, the thinking at this point is that EO really is tapped out. That that you know the you know that that they the company believes that they did the right thing. Uh, replacing Honey, I Shrunk, you know, after Michael passed. And, you know, they got an extra attendance bump and they sold it as a tribute. Uh, but, you know, just to face it, you know, <laughs> Captain EO, I'll, you know, let's just start with the fact that it's 17 minutes long. And, yeah. you know, that it's, you know, they, in, in theme park time, that's too long. 
Yeah. Um, so they're, they're looking to do a newer show. And like I said, that, that there are people at Imagineering who are right now lighting candles and saying prayers that Inside Out is the biggest thing that Pixar's ever done. Because seriously, oh, that would fit in. That would fit in perfectly. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, they, they, they you know, they are just, uh, you know, there are folks right now who are just you know, seeing how the pre- preview plays in the theater, and it's like, oh, this is glorious. This you is know, exact. There's, there's somebody from Amazon looking at looking at this, saying, "Why are we sending all of these live goats and I have Newt to Glendale? Why? <laughs> what? what, what? <laughs> Trending in your area, oh, cauldrons. <laughs> and why are we not sending these by drone? All right, yeah, right. it's like, exactly. damn it, you know, because exactly. they seem to be ordering drones too. The drone, it's the strangest thing. Couldn't, couldn't we That's use right. the drone to deliver yeah. the goat? Yeah, again, you know, when the drone is delivering the drone, that's Department of Redundancy Department. Look, just keep it. There you go. There you go. Um, All right. Cool. All right well, uh, anything else in Epcot going on? Well, again, you know, just it, it's. Without getting into this political situation yeah. until that gets resolved, we're, you know, we're, we're kind of a park that's on hold. But which is the irony because you, you think about it, 2016, you have all this stuff rolling out and everyone's going to go, yeah, what's next? And it's like uh, a very long, quiet, awkward period. You know, <laughs> exactly. so, we, so. All right, cool. All right, let's stop here. We'll uh, pick up with uh, studios in Animal Kingdom shortly uh, on the next episode. We'll go from there. Okay, cool. Great. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> 